Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. On him. He won't let us fall. He won't let you fall. And we just thank God for being that kind of God on this day as we come to celebrate Jesus Christ and glorify him one more time. Thank you, God, for this opportunity just to be here among your saints, God. It's wonderful to see so many of you that we haven't seen the whole pandemic. So thank you, God. 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 But this is the day that the Lord hath made. And we are rejoicing and glad in it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. To Deacon Gino, our worship leader, and all my brothers and sisters in Christ, on this beautiful Palm Sunday, good morning. (laughs) First, I want to just Thank Deacon Gino, who has been our worship leader through most of the pandemic. To Minister Derek, our Minister of Music, our praise team, multimedia. The musicians, they were here when we could not come. We thank God for all of them and for what he has done through them and for them during this season. God bless you all. God bless you and thank you so much. I count it a privilege and an honor to stand in this sacred space and share a word from the Lord. To my dear Pastor Preston, who called me this morning to pray with me. An amazing woman of God who loves, nurtures, and cares for this flock like no pastor any of us has ever known. We thank you and we thank God for you and pray that he will continue to heal your body and and get you back into full swing really soon. To my husband Rayford, I thank you for your love and support and supporting me in all my endeavors. You have helped keep me grounded and been my biggest cheerleader for the last 36 years. (laughs) I also want to thank my family, my sisters here today, and I have friends here with us today. I thank you for loving me and caring for me, even when I may have irritated you a little bit. (laughs) And then to my dear church family, my dear Pleasant Grove, thank you for all your love and support through the years. To all of you under the sound of my voice, if you're looking for a church, you don't need to look no further. Pleasant Grove is the place for you and we will help you on this journey that we call life. We thank God for this branch of Zion called Pleasant Grove. 
Amen. Thank you, God. Let me share a little story with you. It was Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat, little five-year-old Johnny had to stay home from church with a sitter. When the family returned home, they were carrying several palm pieces. Johnny asked, what are those for? His father quickly responded and said, people held them over Jesus's head as he walked by. Wouldn't you know it, little Johnny fumed, the one Sunday I couldn't go to church and Jesus shows up. <laughs> we praise God for already showing up, for he woke us up this morning and blessed us with a new day. We could look up, we could sit up, we could stand up, and we could show up to worship him and praise him one more time. Thank you, God. Let us pray. Father God, it is preaching time. Hide me behind this sacred throne, God. I ask God that your people will hear a word from you. Not from me, Father God, but from you. Let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scriptural text has been read for you as it came from Zechariah in the Old Testament and Matthew in the New Testament. Please allow me to share with you using the subject riding into enemy territory. I want to lift up just three major points as we look at Jesus's journey to the cross. First, be available to the Lord. Second, watch out for the crowd. And third, never ever forget the cross. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, Jesus's last week of life as a physical being on this earth. Palm Sunday occurs five days before Good Friday and seven days before Resurrection Sunday or Easter. In many churches, Palm Sunday is celebrated with the distribution of palm branches, just as we are doing here today. And we thank God for my sister who brought these in. Thank you so much. The distribution of palm branches symbolized the palm branches laid before Jesus as he entered Jerusalem for Passover, which was the annual feast commemorating the, Jewish, the Jews' exodus from Egypt. On today, we reflect upon Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem, which is found in all four gospels. Each of the gospels, however, gives a little different account, but in the end, the message is the same. The Bible is full of repetition because the Lord wants to make sure we get what he is trying to teach us. In the Gospels, with today's focus on Matthew 21, we learn that Jesus is nearing the end of his assignment on earth where he has ministered for three years and has lived a most holy and sinless life for 33 years. Jesus has been in Bethany at the home of his dear friends Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He has been traveling by foot as he did during his ministry for he had no real means of transportation and no place to lay his head. I wonder how many of us would be willing to undertake such an assignment in ministry knowing we had no transportation or place to lodge. 
Unlike Jesus, we look for and focus on the finer things in life and likely would never even think about walking anywhere, especially to do ministry. Thank you, Jesus, for being clear on your assignment to save us and free us from sin. It is said that Jesus was about two miles from Jerusalem when he had need of a donkey and colt to enter therein. We don't know if Jesus was tired or if his feet hurt, but Jesus sent some disciples on a special mission to get him some transportation to enter the city. This would be the fulfilling of 500-year-old prophecy as found in Zechariah, wherein the prophet speaks of a future king presenting himself to Jerusalem while riding on a donkey. During this time in history, most kings rode into a territory with great fanfare and flashy chariots, but Jesus, the king of kings, chose to ride in on a donkey, an humble animal usually used for work and ridden as a sign of peace. Jesus rode in without any ill intent or plans to cause a disturbance as he claimed his messianic royalty. The people who had heard about Jesus hoped that he had arrived to overthrow their enemy, the ruling Roman government. Jesus came to defeat an enemy, all right, but not the one that they had in mind. As the disciples located the donkey and colt that they had been told by Jesus that if anyone asks why they are needed, to say the Lord hath need of them. Matthew's account notes that they were never asked why, for what, or for how long, and the disciples acquired the donkey and colt without any problems. However, Mark and Luke say that they were asked why they were untying the animals and responded just as Jesus directed them. Scholars believe that the donkey and colt most likely were owned by some of Jesus's fellow disciples and they gave their animals freely for his use. Because there was no saddle, the disciples used their clothes to create a makeshift saddle for Jesus. This was truly an act of love care and worship toward Jesus. The animals and disciples were readily available for Jesus' sake. How about us? Are we available and accessible to Jesus to help fulfill needs of our fellow men and carry on the work that Jesus continues to lay out before us? On many Sundays, we sing, Lord, I'm available to you, a beautiful song by the late Reverend Milton Bronson and the Thompson Community Singers. The third verse goes like this. Now I'm giving back to you all the tools you gave to me, my hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes, so you can use me as you please. I have emptied out my cup so that you can fill it up. Now I am free. I just want to be more available to you. Lord, I'm available to you. Are we really willing to use our hands to reach out and bless someone? Are we willing to show love to those who show malice and meanness toward us? Are we willing to lend a helping hand to someone in need? Are we willing to listen when someone is hurting? Are we willing to hear the cry of sinners who have lost their way? Are we too busy taking care of ourselves that we have no time for anyone else? 
And are we willing to share the gospel and goodness of Jesus Christ wherever we go? To be available, according to Mr. Webster, is to be qualified and willing to do something or accept responsibility. To be available is also to be present and ready for immediate use. With this definition in mind, can we truly say that we are available to be used by Jesus Christ? If we are available for the Lord, Pastor Rick Warren notes five keeps, that's K-E-E-P-S, that we must do. Allow me to expand on these just a little bit. He says we must keep our lives clean. That calls for self-examination. We would, must recognize and deal with the sin in our lives. This is done first through confession of our sins to Almighty God, then repentance, and then the recognition that we are sinners saved by grace. The Lord can use anybody that decides to turn from the ways of the enemy, the devil, who tempts us and leads us into sin and falsehood by making sin look so good. The devil is busy and is out to destroy us just as he tried to do to Jesus, as you will see in just a few minutes. First Peter 5 and 8 says from the Amplified Bible, be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. And John 1 and 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rid yourself of sin to live a clean life. Submit yourselves to God and then tell the devil to flee, and he will flee. Keep your eyes open and recognize what God is doing in our lives. We must recognize that even in the midst of pain, heartaches, and hardships, God is still working. Know that every pain, every heartache, and yes, every hardship gives us an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord who is the father of compassion, who comforts us in all our troubles, not just for our sake, but so that we can comfort others. God is still blessing, still providing, and still keeping us. Keep watch and pray for God to strengthen you to avoid and fight the temptations from the devil. Keep being grateful. Focus on God's provisions more than your problems. We ne must never take for granted the grace, the unmerited favor that God has shown to us. We are still here in the midst of a pandemic and we have more of our needs and wants met than we could ever even imagine. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Just be grateful. He says, keep your purpose firm. The Lord has a purpose for all our lives. First and foremost, our purpose is to serve him. 
Ephesians 2 and 10 tells us we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I am so grateful that God has shown me my purpose here on this earth. I have learned that the Lord blessed me to be a physician and a minister of the gospel to help people physically, spiritually, and mentally. I'm learning that he has purposed me to be available when needed to provide love, care, knowledge, prayer, and sometimes just presence. If you don't know your purpose, ask the Lord to reveal it to you, and he will. Keep your mind on Jesus. Isaiah 26 and 3 tells us, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you because they trust in you. Strife will come, confusion will come, foolishness will come, but our Savior will see us through if we keep our minds on him. When we are available to him and keep our focus on him, we can remain stable no matter what because of God's love and the power that he has given us. You know, I like the way Pastor Rick says all that, but I like the way my daddy said it and summed it up best. His motto was keep the faith. Many days I marveled at his faith as he endured the pain of cancer as it destroyed his bones. He would tell us that you have to trust in the Lord no matter what, and know that whatever he allows, he will see you through. Just hold to God's unchanging hand. Church, we must pray and believe that the word of the Lord is truth and keep the faith. As we learned during our study on prayer, we know that prayer serves as an expression of our powerlessness and dependence on God. Pray and know that our Lord and Savior is faithful and our faith is strengthened by hearing, studying, and living the word. To be available to the Lord, we must allow his character traits found in the fruit of the spirit to penetrate and become a part of us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and always know that the enemy will try and keep you from having those traits. My brothers and sisters, it's time to let go of anything and any distraction that is holding you back from being totally available and committed to the Lord. Let go of your selfish ambitions. Let go of materialistic ideas and use the gifts, time, talent, and treasure that our Lord has given us to serve him. It's time to focus on the Lord. Ask for his guidance. Commit your ways to him and know that he will direct your paths for his use. Be available for the work of the Lord. As Jesus continues on into Jerusalem, he is being followed by and surrounded by a crowd. It is said that there were already some two million people gathered in Jerusalem for Passover. His followers within the crowd spread palms and their clothes along the way as he traveled on the coat. In ancient times, palm branches symbolized peace, 
goodness, well-being, and victory. They were used in festive occasions as tokens of joy and triumph. Kings and conquerors were welcomed with palm branches being laid out before them and waved in the air. Jesus was making his declaration as king and truly the Messiah, the savior of the world. The crowd was really mesmerized by the miracles that Jesus had already performed, but they completely missed his mission even as they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is taken from the Hebrew expression that originally was a cry for help in the time of trouble. Its meaning is save now or save we pray. The proud, proud crowd proclaimed Jesus as king, but just like us, they wanted his kingly power for physical and material things, but they wanted nothing to do with his kingly authority over their lives. Among those in the crowds were chief priests, enemies, Pharisees, enemies, Herodians, members of the Jewish ruling party, enemies, Roman citizens and soldiers, enemies, as well as true friends and disciples of Jesus Christ. It is interesting to note that these enemies usually were quite hostile toward one another, but they band together against Jesus. You do know that your enemies will band together to gang up on you. As is often the case with the crowd, some wanted to know who Jesus was and others could care less. The same is true of us. When the enemies ask who is this Jesus, those who had followed Jesus proudly said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. But many in the crowd believed that nothing good could come out of Nazareth. The priests were concerned about their hypocrisy, which would be exposed. The Pharisees were envious of all the attention that Jesus was getting. The Jewish rulers were worried about loss of power and profit. The Romans were concerned about an insurrection and the true disciples of Jesus Christ knew that the savior had arrived. The enemy, the devil set a trap for Jesus so he thought using these evil leaders as his pawn. Remember many in the crowd were the same ones who cried Hosanna. Just five days later, they would be crying something else. For you see the crowd will turn on you even one of Jesus's own posse of the 12 disciples would sell him out and one of his closest confidants would deny even knowing him. I challenge you to be aware of the crowd and those who call themselves your friend. In his book entitled 11, Indispensable Relationships You Can't Be Without, Leonard Sweet says we all need at least 11 types of people to help us through this journey we call life. He goes on to say that without these special people in our lives, we will never actually be the person that God has meant us to be. A few of these special people really stuck out to me. First was a Nathan. Nathan was a prophet, you remember, who confronted King David about his adulterous ways. A Nathan tells you the truth and they may even irritate you. A Nathan can say, girl, you looking crazy and acting crazy. Or, 
or a man, you really messed up. You need a Jonathan, the son of King Saul, who hated David, but Jonathan was David's best friend and protected him from his evil father. We need a Jonathan who is the one all you gotta do is call and they will be right there. You need a Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, who was a Midian priest and wished Moses well when God told Moses to return to Egypt and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. We need a Jethro, a motivator, to tell you pull yourself together, move on and do what you're supposed to do. And we need a Barnabas. The name means son of encouragement. He encouraged Paul to continue his assigned ministry work even when they went in separate directions. You need a Barnabas who will encourage you and who will hold you up when you feel you just can't go on. Do you have folks like these people in your lives that you can call true friends? Pray for discernment and ask the Lord to show you who is real and loyal and who the special friends are that should be in your life. Just like Jesus experienced from folks in the crowd, there will be people who smile in your face and pretend to support you. All the while, they want to take your place, backstabbers. Y'all remember that song by the OJs? Everyone who claims to love you, care about you, and even hang out with you is not your friend. Proverbs 18.24 tells us that a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend. Is Jesus your friend? Are you a friend of Jesus and following his ways? Or are you going along with the crowd that may be going astray and only seeking pleasures in life with no real relationship with Jesus Christ? Proverbs 17, 17a tells us a friend loves at all times. That's Jesus. James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. John 15, 12 through 15 says, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And Romans five and eight puts it this way, but God commanded his love toward us, commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loves us and spent the last week of his life on earth preparing to die for you and for me. The old hymn, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus says it all. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. 
Jesus is a friend who heals all our diseases, knows all our struggles, and guides us daily. You don't have to phone him, email him, or text him, for he's always right by your side. Who wouldn't want a friend like that? Bless God and thank him for any real friends you have, but even more importantly, thank the Lord Jesus for being the best friend you could ever have, and watch out for the crowd. After Palm Sunday, the rest of the week would prove to be quite busy and eventful for Jesus. On Monday, he would clear the temple of money changers and declare the temple as a house of prayer. He would curse a fig tree which was bearing no fruit to symbolize God's judgment on the spiritually dead and corrupt religious leaders of Israel. Many theologians, however, believe that the cursing of the fig tree extends even to us today, and Jesus lets us know that the truly faithful servants of Jesus Christ must bear good fruit. By Tuesday, the religious leaders organized and plotted to have Jesus arrested. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of time. He spoke in parables so all could understand. Because the devil, our enemy, had already prompted Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, he conspired with the Sanhedrin to, I'm sorry, to betray Jesus for just a few pieces of silver. On Wednesday, it is believed that Jesus rested. Even Jesus rests, so we need to rest. Jesus rested so he could be ready for the Passover feast. While Jesus rested, the high priest, the high priest, the servant of God, and others plotted his arrest in a way to kill Jesus, but not during the feast. Thursday is known as Monday Thursday. The word Monday is derived from the Latin word for command. The Monday in Monday Thursday refers to the command Jesus gave to the disciples as he fellowshiped with them at the Passover meal, the Last Supper. He commanded that they should love one another, and Jesus even washed their feet, just as if he was a slave or servant. Through the washing of their feet, Jesus further demonstrated how we are to love one another and not think of ourselves more highly than anyone. Jesus would then go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray to the Father. In his humanness, Jesus felt overwhelmed, distressed, and saddened. He prayed for himself, the disciples, and even for us. Jesus also prayed and asked his father if there was any way possible to remove his known fate of death. His disciples were to keep watch and pray as Jesus prayed. However, they fell asleep. Thereafter, Jesus warned them to always be watchful and pray, for the enemy is always lurking around. Shortly thereafter, Jesus would be arrested by the temple guard, which was controlled by the high priest and the Sanhedrin. Eventually, the disciples would go into hiding. Sometimes you must stand alone. Come early Friday morning, Jesus would be put on trial and his journey would become horrendous as the religious authorities took Jesus before the Roman authorities, where he was falsely accused and abandoned by that same crowd who cried Hosanna five days before 
and now they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Our Jesus would suffer severe beatings and mockeries. He was sentenced to death and was crucified. At Calvary, Jesus suffered, bled, and died just to save us. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 puts it this way. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Because of his suffering, he understands our suffering. But that's not how the story ends. Stay tuned for that next week. Jesus, Jesus endured much during Holy Week. As Isaiah 57, 5 tells us, he was pierced for our transgressions. That's our sin, your sin and my sin. He was crushed for our iniquities, our immoral and wicked behavior. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus died the death that all of us should have died, but God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus loved you and me enough to die for us. His going to the cross has given us the highest evidence of God's love and has provided us with the principles by which we are to live. We are to love as he loved and we are to live as he lived. Even though Jesus died to save us, just like Jesus, we are under attack by that same unseen enemy, the devil, who led the priests, the crowd, the Pharisees, and yes, even the Roman authorities to falsely accuse and crucify our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus knew his ending and followed the plan as ordained by his Father and our Father in heaven. Even the work of the enemy was part of God's plan. The enemy continues to be at work all around us. Look at all the false preachers that are on the rise and twisting the word of God to fit their standard of living. Don't be deceived. Get in the word and know it for yourself. Many of us are overwhelmed with life. Call on Jesus to help you through. Divisive tactics have invaded our homes, our jobs, and even the Lord's house. Children are rising up against parents. Parents are rising up against children. The pandemic seems to linger, and in some places, cases are on the rise again. We hear of more and more sickness, and cancer seems to be everywhere. Sin abounds, and people, yes, even so-called Christians, are lying, stealing, and cheating as these acts appear to be the new norm. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage toward one another have become daily occurrences. Oh, but in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, and 16, 8, it tells us, 
We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Through his death on the cross and eventually his resurrection, Jesus conquered sin, death, and the enemy. He demonstrates his power in and through us as we accept his love and gift of salvation. Even when we seem to be at the end of our rope, because of Jesus' act on the cross, we are never at the end of hope. Because you and I belong to him and he lives within us, we too can overcome and will not lose heart. Romans 8, 35 through 39 puts it this way. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If Jesus never does anything else for us, at the cross he did more than enough. Jesus. Praise Christ Jesus and thank him for saving us. Praise Christ Jesus for being in control of everything, even our enemy, the devil, the ruler of the world. Praise Christ Jesus for being willing to die so that we might live. As you go through this holy week, reflect on Jesus's journey to the cross and his ride into enemy territory. Remember, be available for the Lord to use you. If he could use a donkey, he can certainly use us. Watch out for the crowd and never ever forget the cross. I challenge you to stop doing anything that is keeping you from being available for the work of the Lord. I challenge you to get to know Jesus, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I challenge you to remember the cross where love conquered the enemy and all of our sins. May God bless you all on this beautiful Palm Sunday, and may he forever keep you in his loving care. Amen and amen. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. 
at this moment I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead today I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer in Jesus name I pray amen thank you for listening it is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God if you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages Come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org.